We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, this is Kami Amurabian coming at you with a post-game Thunder podcast. Oklahoma City wins in Portland, 111 to 109. I guess they counted that last second bucket from whoever it was. But OKC wins in Portland for the first time in five years since 2014. Uh, I think that's like when I had me and Jake. Jake's here, by the way. I'm Kami Amurabian. I'm Jacob. Jacob Niffin is here. I think that's a. I think that's when we graduated. College is that not? That sounds right. Yeah, that was the year we we graduated with our bachelor. Yeah, our bachelor's degrees. Yeah. So for the first time since we graduated college from does that make you feel old? The University of Central Oklahoma. A little bit. Yeah, it makes me kind of sad. There's five years ago we were in college. Yeah. Well, God, I'm I mean, three quarters of the way through of life, man. I did the grad school thing, so I just got out. I'm gonna be dead in the next ten years. So yeah, well, I mean, people die, so. It happens. Maybe Draymond will be next. We all die. Yeah. Maybe that ref tonight will die soon. <laughs> oh, God. But before we get into any themes of the game, let's go to some big numbers that I thought were pretty important. Free throw line, the numbers actually kind of evened out regarding free throws, but something that was really big for Oklahoma City was they went to the line 26 times, and they converted 23 of those 26, which is really, really big for this team because they've been shooting like 70% from the line this entire year, 72%. So they've been really bad. And if Oklahoma City obviously doesn't shoot 23 of 26, they lose this game. If they shoot 70%, they lose, or it's a really, really close game. And another big thing, which I thought was kind of impressive on Portland's part, was they out-assisted OKC 30-18. to 18. They nearly doubled up OKC, which is kind of... It's not really concerning. It was just a way of play that OKC was playing. They played a lot of ISO with PG because nobody could really guard him. And Russ had got his mid-range game going on in the first half and really the third quarter, and nobody could really stop that. 
Fast break points. You didn't really see this till the second half, but OKC won that 18 to eight. They won it 18 to eight, and a lot of those points came in the second half. And then three point percentage because you come into this game thinking, all right, they have Myers Leonard, who looks like he belongs in Portland, but of course you have Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Al Farouk Aminu, Seth. Uh, Seth Curry. Seth Curry's is, leading the league in three-point percentage right now, I believe, wow. too. Jeez. And, and so you, you have basically, in Nurkic actually shoots the three sometimes as well. So you have this team that's just so laden with three-point shooters that it, it was kind of concerning going in. And OKC actually outshoots him from three, 32% to 29. But let's get on to the themes and some things that we can talk about. So first half, Portland really took advantage of OKC's defense. There were a lot of bad rotations, a lot of slow rotations, and they were just really, really slow on closeouts. And it just it it just showed it was an effort thing. Or did it look like an effort thing to you, or it, what was it? Yeah, kind of, because the, we've talked about it before, but the way the Thunder play the pick-and-roll defense is they send Adams out high on the ball handler, and they trap the ball handler. And so the rotation from the backside wasn't coming into the lane to stop the the Nurkic roll to the hoop. They were sticking to the three-point shooter in the corner. And so that first half, you know, the Thunder didn't change their pick-and-roll coverage, and it just led to over and over and over to Nurkic buckets. And then I thought that changed in the second half where the rotations were much more crisp, and it allowed the whole defense to kind of play on a string and rotate back and forth. Yeah, and I think a lot of the themes, just it was just... OKC looked sluggish. They looked kind of lazy. And they did change that in the second half. And Nurk, like you said, Nurkic was just killing OKC in the first half. Just At one point, was he only like 10 of 11 or something like that? He was 7 of 8 in the first half, uh, but he ended 9 of 14. Okay. So OKC started to take that away. But in the first half, it was just Nurkic over and over and over, yep. right at the rim, right in the lane. And it was easy stuff. And the points in the paint in the first half, again, really, really staggering for OKC because... Half of it was Nurkic because OKC was putting so much pressure on the shooters that they were allowing them to drive the lane and they were slow on closeouts or Steve would get boxed out by Nurk. And it was just really kind of staggering to see that from an OKC team that yeah, really the, prides themselves. And it was the offensive rebounds for Portland that really was, was a big problem on those points in the paint as well. It was Nurkic pick and rolls. And then it was the Thunder just failed to secure a lot of defensive rebounds early in the game. And again, do you attribute that to what Portland's three-point shooters? They have long rebounds. Nurkic, for some reason, like this is what I don't get about Stephen Adams, is that he can do fairly well against Anthony Davis. He does fairly well against Nikola Jokic. He does okay against Boogie Cousins, and he does he does well against several centers in the league. But it seems like him and Nurkic every time they play each other. There are issues there. I, I don't understand like what the deal is. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, Nurkic went for 22-8 and eight tonight uh, to Steven Adams, 6-12. and 12. You know, so just Adams just outplayed by Nurkic, but I, I thought they defended Nurkic very well uh, kind of when it really mattered down the stretch. Yeah, I agree. Uh, in points of the paint later on, they leveled out in the second half. I think OKC was still behind, like 54 to 48 or something like that. I don't have the stats in front of me. But it was pretty close after the game was over. Now, second half themes, 
OKC defense actually ramps up. They look energized. They look like they're flying around. They're actually making the rotations. They're, they're, they're getting to their closeouts pretty quickly. They're just getting really active with the ball, and they're getting really active with the ball, keeping it out of Nurkic's hands, or when it does hit his hands, somebody immediately rotates over for you know some sort of defense on him. And I thought that was really big to OKC getting the lead in the third quarter. And and I thought that the the rotating to Nurk on those on those rolls, I thought that started with I don't know if you remember a specific play early in the third quarter where they got the same play again and Nurkic rolled free down the lane and Russell Westbrook rotated over and jumped and met Nurk at the rim and forced Nurkic to have to adjust a bit, and the ball rolled off the rim. And it was like at that moment, the rest of the team kind of saw, oh, if we rotate well and contest him at the rim, he's not going to make those shots as often. And that's when the defense, I thought, really started to ramp up. Yeah, it, it was really a big deal. Like Russ would come in, and he, he had a couple – plays that were kind of questionable I thought he might get called for a foul on Nurk in, in the lane but it didn't and it just being being able just to contest anything was a big deal because Steven Adams in the first half he was just getting worked by Nurk but also put in really bad positions worked by Nurk yeah worked by worked Nurk. by Nurk and so they kept the ball really out of his hands in the second half and a lot of the times really in the second half the ball was out of CJ and Dame's hands a lot because they were being crowded by Ferguson. We'll talk about that later. And then Nurkic would get the ball sometimes, but it would end up really in the hands of Al Farouk Aminu. And they played Evan Turner so much in that second half, which I don't yeah, understand why. But it, it didn't really end up in the hands of any of their playmakers in the second half, of course, until the fourth quarter. And... Uh, we'll we'll just talk about fouls later. Yeah, it's, that was some bullshit. But anyways, <laughs> um, Dennis Schroeder, who was pretty garbage in the first half, like he awful. struggled. Bad. I think he was one of seven in the first half. Yeah, he, one of seven or one of eight. He he missed like a breakaway layup where like Dennis Schroeder can dunk the ball, and I don't understand why he just doesn't dunk the ball. Yeah, that that breakaway miss was like that. That's an in your head miss. That's one hundred percent what that is. Like like he was. That's that happens like to people in pickup all the time, and, yeah. and that happens because you're thinking, "Oh shit, I better not miss this." Yes, that's exactly what that was. Do you think he he was thinking, "I better not miss this," or he kind of quick handed it because he heard footsteps from behind him? Um, I think probably a little bit of both, but I think probably a lot. I mean, because the, the ball never, no one ever got close to the ball. I mean, yep. he he had the wide open layup, so I think it was a lot of it was just. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Kind of got in his head, you know. I, I, I it was weird because the first half he would get these jumpers that he usually you know does well on the mid range jumpers that are wide open. That's kind of his game, and they just weren't going down. And he would shoot wide open threes, which of course weren't going down. And then you're like screaming every time he gets the ball, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot. And then he gets a breakaway layup at, at the end of the at the end of the first half, and you're thinking, okay. He's going to get an easy bucket, and that didn't happen. But in the second half, he starts driving to the lane with a little bit more consistency, starts really getting the ball to go down through through contact, doesn't get the calls. Of course, OKC didn't get the calls their way because they're in Portland. But he really came alive in the second half regarding his shooting, regarding getting in the lane, and that was really big for OKC in the third quarter when they get, took that, like what was an eight-point lead? They outscored them by 11 in the third quarter. Yeah, yeah, and... A big chunk of that was because in the in the first half, Portland scored 28 points in the first quarter, 34 in the second quarter, 
and then the Thunder hold him to 25 in the third, 22 in the fourth. You know, so you could you could definitely tell the defense ramped up significantly. Yeah, and it was defense ramped up significantly. Um, Ferguson was a big part of that, and we'll talk about that later. And but just Schroeder coming alive in the third quarter was really big for OKC to pick them up when Russ and PG were on the floor. PG had a hell of a first half. He was qu- kind of quiet in the second half, wasn't he? Yeah, he didn't get as many shot attempts in like, the second half. He scored. And he scored like what twenty seven in the first half or yeah. something like that, and he ended, ended with like thirty six or thirty seven. Yeah. yeah, but a lot of those were. I thought that that second half, Russ did a good job of attacking, getting downhill, yep. and then kicking out to a wide open PG, who just missed some great looks. But yep. he still ended up uh, five of nine. Yeah, from from the three. Fe- from the three point line. So Schroeder really coming alive in the third quarter really 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 helped OKC, and it kind of like keeps on that narrative of OKC, they're doing well in third quarters, especially when they come out sluggish against Portland, which I don't know why you come out sluggish against Portland. Like, you haven't won there in five years. You know what it's been like as a Thunder player. I guess, well, you know, Russ is really the only consistent guy that's been there. Yeah. But you know what it's been like in Portland. Actually, I think I saw a stat that the last time the Thunder won in Portland, Russ did not play. The only member on the team right now that played was Steven Adams. Steven has been the team with five years. Yeah, jeez, man. Yeah, because he's a while. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it makes That's, you feel old, doesn't? Oh, it? He, well, he was a rookie too, wasn't? Yeah, he? I think he was okay. a rookie that year. That makes sense then. But it's just it's so so odd. But really comes alive. And then this last third second half theme before we get to the overall, the really 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 awful calls against OKC down the stretch. Like OKC's up by ten points, and you're thinking, okay. All they need is like, I said, I, I looked at you. I was like, we only need about two to three decent offensive possessions to officially put this game away yeah. up by eight, ten points. And all of a sudden, Portland starts getting all these random whistles. And like three of them were garbage. One of them got Ferg fouled out. One of them was a phantom call against Steven Adams. And one another, was a phantom call on Schroeder yeah, on who, a three. Who, Damian Lillard like shoots a three, and like the only thing that Schroeder does is walk underneath him. He doesn't make any sort of he doesn't like he doesn't walk underneath him to the fact that Lillard lands on. Yeah, he him. doesn't get in his landing space. He even. just kind of like he was like not going to contest it because he didn't want to get the foul call. And they still called they it. They still called it. And then the, the phantom call on Steve was the one that, that made me the that, most Oh, upset. yeah. The refs were anticipating contact. And they blew the whistle. Regardless. It, you know. I don't remember this, but did Nurk even make the shot? I think he made. No, he, it wasn't an and one, but he did make both free throws. Like, that's the, like, that's. It's frustrating. Unbelievable. 13 to 2 free throw count in the fourth quarter. 13 to 2. This is terrible. And the Thunder had taken more free throws than Portland going in to the fourth quarter. And it's kind of like the refs just decided we're going to even it out. It makes no sense. It's frustrating. Like, call the action on the floor. Don't call what you think should happen. Because Oklahoma City, they it was clear that Oklahoma City was going to get a win in Portland for the first time in five years. Okay, and then the whistles started coming. Up by 10. And then all of a sudden, these random whistles start coming. And another one was... OKC misses a shot. I think it's probably a lot of these came off of like fast breaks. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it came off of Russ trying to post up CJ, which was, I get it. 
and it worked early in the first half, but it didn't really work so much in clutch time because you're like begging to get the ball to PG. And you have a run out on Dame, who's just running in transition, and you have Ferg trying to run down the court, and he's he's on the boundary. It's not like Ferg is forcing Damian Lillard towards the boundary. Ferg is on the boundary, and you have Lillard literally running into Ferguson, like trying to get him... Like he's, he's, he's trying to get him to foul out. He's, yeah. he's leaning on Ferguson while he's running, trying to get a foul call, which is not at all Ferguson. Like, what's Ferguson supposed to do? Just, like, stop and just, like, jump out of bounds? Yeah, exactly. And so that one was just another one that was like, are you kidding me? That's just, that's a terrible call. That's, it, oh, we can go on and on. Okay, so you got the win. The refs tried to somehow just, like, take it away. But they still managed to come out with a win. Okay, so still manages to win amidst these really, really bad foul calls. And uh, Antonio Daniels said this after the game that the difference between this year's Thunder team and last year's Thunder team, which I exclaimed, well, they don't have Carmelo Anthony's <laughs> corpse on the court to guard literally anybody. That Now they have Jeremy Grant and Nerland's Noel, which we'll talk about in a second. But okay, so he's still winning games amidst bad calls towards the end of the games. Now, you still think of Giannis last year stepping out of bounds. That one still pisses me off. Well, but okay. it's not as bad as yeah, Kevin Durant. Yeah, <laughs> it's not as bad as the Rockets last night playing the Warriors and Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's in row five, saving the row ball. Row five, seven foot one guy. It's in Loud City in 34, 34 size shoes. And this dude, the, you have a, you have a, a title of baseline official, right? And this big seven footer. Takes like four steps out of bounds, never reestablishes position ever, ever. And you have to reestablish yourself yeah. with two feet. He never put one foot back in bounds. Yeah, never. He had three steps before he touched the ball while out of bounds. And they still called it. Yep. This is not. A, okay, this is That's because he jumped, though. Yeah, God. This is not a Warriors or a Houston podcast. That was just an egregious call. But let's go to overall things from the night. Good Russ kind of showed up. Yeah, and that he, was he, really got the, he got the big. jumper going a bit. The mid-range. Goodrush showed up. His mid-range was there for the most part until the end, of course. And PG was PG. I mean... PG won. Hey, how many threes did Russ take tonight? Uh, if I had to guess, zero? Two. He took two? He took two. Oh, that's right, because he, he tried to bank in one of, them. one of them in the first half, and I was like, are you... like? Did he just... Because he didn't look like he actually shot a jumper. He was just kind of like... Pushed it up there. Pushed it up yeah. there. I was like, is this dude seriously trying to bank a three-pointer? Yeah, Russ, 13 of 28, but only took two three-point attempts, which I think is a good sign. And he was five of six from the free-throw line. Five of six from the free-throw line was huge. And yeah. his, I think he, at one point he was like five of 11. And I was like, okay, we got, Russ, Russ is cooking tonight. Yeah. And he got to the rim. He should have got a couple more foul calls. And be, you got good Russ tonight. And having good Russ was imperative to getting this win. Yep. Yeah. When you when you have good Russ and PG playing like he is, uh, this team can compete with anybody in the league. And Stephen, this gap would have been a lot wider if Stephen Adams was not getting worked by Nurk in the first half. If Stephen Adams was at his his season average, right? He was six and twelve tonight. His season average is sixteen and ten. If Stephen Adams is at his his average tonight, um, those calls in the last four minutes don't even matter because yep. it's, it's a 15-point game. So, OKC is going to win uh, just by having good Russ along with PG. Mm-hmm. And Russ, at the same time, like 
at the very end of the fourth quarter when you're about when you're up six with about two minutes, you're thinking, okay, you need just good offensive possessions. And instead of running any sort of offense, it was yep. Russ gets I, the ball in the post. And Russ, I, was, I, saw, I was like, yeah. please God, don't do don't do this to us. Like it's been five years. Yeah, but I will say though that he had that one play where it looked like he was gonna ISO in the post again and did it. Was it in the, in the yeah, post in the post just long enough to draw Nurk over and just dropped a beautiful pass to Steven for a dunk. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think that put him up eight until that. And that was when the, that the, was when the, the foul fest, the started. started happening. Yep. Yeah. And another big story tonight. And of course the biggest story is last, but another big story is Terrence Ferguson played really, really good. Uh, I mean, the guards played really good on CJ and Dame and they were switching uh, I mean, Russ, Schroeder, Ferguson, PG, all those guys were switching when they were running off, off screens, going on top of screens. CJ and Damian Lillard combined 33 points off of 34 shots. I think CJ only had like 10 points at one C- point. CJ had 10 on 4 of 15 shooting. That's who Ferguson guarded most of the night. And like CJ is going to have nightmares of Terrence Ferguson. Like Ferguson did an absolutely incredible job of sticking to McCollum's hip, getting through screens, getting over screens. Uh, if he got behind him, just kept moving his feet, trying yep. to get back in front. Um, defense is a lot about effort, and Ferg gives a hell of an effort on that end every night. And, you know, we, we've talked about Ferg a bit and, like, his defensive prowess and how we kind of think he's making – Andre Robertson, like obsolete on this team right now. Expendable because he can. He hit a wide open three tonight. Was that his only? Was that his only points? He only scored three points. Yeah, one of two. He had two three point shots. The the second three came in that fourth quarter on that catch and shoot at the top of the key. So he scored a total of three points. Total of three points on two shots. What was his plus minus? Plus five. Was that? Is that one of the higher ones in the starters or what? Um, it's third of five. Adams was a minus three. Grant was a minus ten. Yeah, sounds about right. Ferg was a plus five, Westbrook a plus seven, George a plus eight, okay. uh, Schroeder a plus nine. Yeah, and at one point, and we I haven't I didn't even put this in my notes. At one point, OKC went small, small. They went yeah, they sub about six minutes into the third. They subbed out. They kept the starters in, but they subbed out Grant for Schroeder. So they yeah. basically bumped everyone up a spot. Russ Schroeder, Ferg. You had P playing the four, and you had Steven playing the five, and. That really put OKC kind of in a bind as far as rebounds. It was like a team effort at that point. Yeah. And P had to get into some dirty work, and he did it really well. But again, OKC's backcourt defense for the entire 48 minutes was good. Yeah, I mean, until even the Seth Curry. Seth Curry yeah. was one of seven. The officiating kind of tried to take away from that effort. But again, I mean... How many nights are you going to get CJ and Dame 33 points over 34 yeah, that, shots? Yeah, that's just a hell of a defensive effort. They just bothered them all night long. And I think the biggest story of the night, I mean, you, and, and you got to say this, is Nerlens Noel, first of all, is on a minimum contract to up his value for next year. So Nerlens Noel on a minimum contract, what do you have, like 10 points tonight? Or six? I, be- I believe 10 is correct. Let me look. 10 points, 5 rebounds, an assist, 3 steals, yep. 2 blocks. And Nerlens Noel minimum contract. This dude single-handedly shifted momentum to OKC by poking balls loose, two possessions in a row, getting on, them on a Dame. on Damian Lillard. Out of all people, on yeah. Dame, two like possessions Dame in a row. has Dame probably has top five handle in the league. 
behind so? Kyrie, behind Steph, Steph maybe behind Kemba. But he picks Dame's pocket twice, and one of them, which leads to a uh, uh, clear path. path foul, which gives you two possessions, which OKC, I think, converted on those. Yep. Schroeder hit both free throws, and then the Thunder scored a basket off it. So it was four points. And then another one was OKC like missed a basket or something, and Nurkic was trying to go down the floor, and it probably should have been a foul. But Nerlens poked it loose, gets the ball back with like 10 seconds left, just not to like get PDX any momentum. So yep. Nerlens Noel, really, really big story of the night. And it comes back to what we said on the big group pod the other day was sometimes, honestly... You prefer Nerlens to be out there instead of Steve because he, he's quicker, like his feet are quicker, and his hands, because that's one of his big attributes is shot blocking, of course. That's something OKC hasn't had in a while. And his hands are unbelievable as far yep. as poking balls loose. Definitely, definitely. He's uh, he's not physical like Adams is, but, God, he's... He's very top, like probably 95 percentile in bigs guarding smalls on the perimeter. Like yeah. he invites switches because he's so quick. He can anticipate well. And those those long arms just generate. Yeah. Like it covers his long arms cover so much space because he did it. He did it a couple times where he would crowd a three point shooter or crowd somebody at the perimeter and, of course, force them to drive. And then all he does is take two, three steps back into the paint and just swat their shot. Yep. So he kind of invites that, whereas if it's Steven Adams out there, you're like, okay, they might probably get an easy bucket right yeah, here. Yeah, it's um, he's been a huge addition to this team. His defense is incredible. If he can keep chipping in six to ten points a night like he's been recently, like, God, for a minimum contract, like that's such – he's so important to this team – I feel like for the past week or so, the bench at the start at the end of the third, start of the fourth quarter has really stolen momentum for this team and helped push them over the top. You know and what I, it is, right? And I think Nerlens is playing a part in that. You know what it is? What? It's Alex Sabrinas looking down on Nerlens. Oh my god! Blessing him. Hey, I also have to uh, have to shout out Patrick Patterson hit two threes tonight, two of four, fifty percent. It's Alex Sabrinas with the wings. <laughs> flew down touched him i hope he's okay man just, yeah I, that's concerning like the more you think like it's it went from health to personal, personal. and they say that they're not like the same thing they say like oh he went he had health issues now he has personal things like i don't that doesn't sound right at yeah. all he's been missing for what how many weeks now he didn't play christmas he's missing two weeks yeah about two weeks and they said they don't know when he's coming back um I, I don't want to speculate on it yeah. and, and everything, but I I kind of have a feeling that he's not even in the U.S. right now. I think he's home in Spain for some reason. I have no evidence to back that up. Yeah. It's just, just a feeling. But It's concerning because, I mean, he's there, and the next thing you know, like you hear nothing from it. Billy Donovan says he doesn't know anything, but I'm sure he knows something. Yeah, they're it. just not going to air somebody's and, personal and business. It's, just, it's concerning. Because he hasn't been on either road trip yeah. recently. He didn't go to the Phoenix-Dallas road trip and he didn't go out west with them. And you didn't see him at home against Dallas on New Year's Eve. You're just hoping he and his family are healthy. Are okay. Yeah. And that like something is not up, like something serious is not up. Because like if he misses, you know, if he misses stuff here or there, like, okay, whatever. He misses stuff here or there, whatever. But it's really concerning. He has a long 
long, long, long absence, and yep. nobody knows what's up. And some Thunder fans have said, well, remember when Mitch McGarry had that long absence? That that dumbass was at fat camp yep. like because he ate too much Twinkies after smoking a bowl of weed. Yeah. You know, that's not Ferguson. I think this this is maybe a little more serious yeah, cause than Mitch McGarry's dumbass at fat camp. What's that? What was that movie about Fat Camp? The little kid movie, Heavyweights. Heavyweights. Yeah, I loved that yeah. movie. I watched that movie so much growing up. That was a a fairly decent movie. I enjoyed that movie, but that about wraps this thing up for me. Do you have anything? I don't have anything else. Let me bump you some some outro music. I love bumping outro music. Oh, that's nice. But anyways, it's really good to see OKC get the win in Portland for the first time in five years. They win a 111 to 109. I think OKC, they go home and play the Wizards. Wizards Sunday, Timberwolves on Tuesday. They're going to trick the Wizards, as FSOK said, which was pretty annoying. Hope the Wizards don't cast a level 5 fireball on us, guys. But anyways, OKC wins tonight in Portland. If you don't follow either of us, call me, I'm Robin. It's me, at BoomtownRW. Follow Jacob Niffin, at ThunderMob405. Signing off, Thunder up. See ya. Bye. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.